My name is Crystal Pearson. I'm a dentist, and I am married to a dentist. And today I'm going to talk about being a professional and being a parent at the same time. So the title is Always on Call, God's Purpose for a Professional Parent. Um, So this afternoon I kind of want to talk about Bible and Spirit of Prophecy insight and real-life scenarios to guide you on your path as you balance, reorganize, and purpose your life to glorify God through your profession and your family, and how to learn to thrive and not just survive. One of my favorite quotes, an angel could not ask for a higher mission than that of a mother. So a little bit more about myself. I grew up in Florida, went to Southern Adventist University, studied religious studies and biology, moved on from there and went to Loma Linda. Uh, I finished at Southern in 01, finished with my dental degree in 05, and met my husband, married him in 2004, my senior year. And soon after we got married and I graduated, we moved to Saipan. And so we've been missionaries overseas from 2005 to 2018. Saipan is a small island south of Japan, north of Guam. All of our girls were born there. We have four daughters. Shyla is nine in fourth grade. Ava is seven in second grade. And Leah is five in kindergarten. And the baby Brinley, she just turned three on Monday. So I sang her happy birthday over the phone because I was already on the East Coast. I was very sad to miss her birthday. They're all little sweeties. So we have three objectives for today. The first, acknowledge the importance that God places on the family circle and the parental care of children at home. Number two, accepting the years of education you have and acknowledging God's additional plan for your life of raising your children to be shining stars for him. Number three, combining one's professional passion and family life, all the while remembering that the care of children is for time and eternity. So during the next hour, I just kind of want to get get the ball rolling in your head. Maybe you can have a conversation with your spouse uh, that will kind of go like this. Are we doing all that we can to raise our children for God? Are we engaging them daily? Um, and teaching them about his word. So I began searching the scriptures and the spirit of prophecy, mostly Adventist home and child guidance, before the birth of my first daughter. And that was in 2010. They're all two years apart, so it's easy for me to remember their, their, birth, date, their birth years. We have 2010, 2012, 2014, 2016. There you go. I did not plan that. <laughs> And so I compiled this material over the years and then um, just kind of want to share the importance that God places on family. And I I understand that many of you are highly trained medical professionals. That's why we're here at Amen, right? And I also want to acknowledge that not all parents are able to stay at home for a myriad of reasons. Some families are comprised of a single parent who must work. Others have both parents who need to work outside of the home full-time. What I'm sharing with you today is Spirit of Prophecy and Bible information that I've found helpful for myself personally as a professional and as a mother. And each family will have their own system of what works best for them. 
And with prayer, we can all do the best thing each day with God's help, and he promises to fill in where we lack. Isn't that amazing that he would um, help us floundering humans just by a prayer? So let's pray while we get started. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we have to um, organize our thoughts and think more about our family and the important responsibility that you've given us as parents, and um, that we will be able to do all that we can for our children, and we trust that you will fill in where we lack. In your name I pray, amen. So objective number one, acknowledge the importance that God places on the family circle and the parental care of children at home. Our work for Christ is to begin with the family in the home. There is no missionary field more important than this, and I feel very strongly about this. Parents have the noblest of all missionary fields. Make it your life work to form the characters of your children according to the divine pattern. As workers for God, our work is to begin with those nearest. It is to begin in our own home. There is no more important missionary field than this. We need missionary fervor in our homes that we may bring the word of life before the members of our families and lead them to seek a home in the kingdom of God. The management and instruction of children is the noblest missionary work that any man or woman can undertake. And you will hear this theme throughout the presentation because it is found a lot in the spirit of prophecy. You might look like my daughter after I read this quote to you. It says, the king upon his throne has no higher calling, no higher work than that of a mother. The mother is queen of her household. She has in her power the molding of her children's characters, that they may be fitted for a higher immortal life. An angel could not ask for a higher mission. In doing this work, she is doing service for God. Let her only realize the high character of her task, and it will inspire her with courage. Let her realize the worth of her work, and put on the whole armor of God, that she may resist the temptation to conform to the world's standards. Her work is for time and eternity. Have you ever pondered that God chose to bring his son into the world through a mother? That's pretty amazing, right? He, the majesty of heaven, the king of glory, became a babe in Bethlehem. For a time, he was a helpless infant in his mother's care. In childhood, he spoke and acted as a child, honoring his parents and carrying out their wishes in helpful ways. From the first sign of intelligence, he was constantly growing in grace and in a knowledge of the truth. The gradual development of the plant from the seed is an object lesson that we can use in child training. First there is a blade, then the ear, and then the full corn. Mark 4.28 Jesus, who gave this parable, created the tiny seed, gave it its vital properties, and ordained the laws that govern its growth. It's the same with our children. He guides their growth and has ordained each of the properties that makes up a person, a human. We read in Mark 6, 3 that Jesus was a carpenter, a trade obviously learned from his earthly father as a child. We assume his mother, Mary, was a full-time homemaker living nearby. That family structure is now rarely seen today. Only in the last 100 years have fathers left home all day to make a living. Now approximately 51% of mothers are also employed full-time in the workforce. A happy home. 
Parents are to look upon their children as entrusted to them of God, to be educated for the family above. Train them up in the fear and love of God, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Parents who are loyal to God will represent him in the home life. They will look at the training of their children as a special work entrusted to them by the Most High. Do we daily view our, ch- our children as given to us as a gift of God? Do we view them as our brother and sister in Christ? That's what they are. And it's our God-given job to raise them for his glory. How are we molding our children day by day? You know, nothing is calculated to strengthen the intellect as much as memorizing scripture. I like to teach my girls Bible verses. And how about teaching them through nature? Raising children is a constant journey that we always need to rely on God for help. He will keep us focused to gain a favorable outcome for our children. Um, Let's talk about how one Bible couple met their parental responsibilities. There are lots of examples of parents in the Bible, some good, some not so good. This is John the Baptist's parents. Zacharias and Elizabeth were educated by an angel from heaven on how they should train and educate John the Baptist. They were to prepare him to be God's messenger to announce the coming of Christ. As parents, they were to faithfully cooperate with God in forming a character in John as would fit him to perform the part God had assigned him as a competent worker. John was a son in their old age. He was a miracle. His parents acted their part in developing a character in John that would in every way meet the purpose for which God had designed his life. They sacredly fulfilled their obligation. I hope we can say the same. So King David wrote, I'm sure most of you um, are very familiar with this beautiful psalm. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me, this is my favorite part, were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand, Psalms 139. That's pretty amazing. I'm not sure that as humans we can even quite comprehend this verse, especially the last sentence. We're pretty lucky, huh? Parents should be at home often. By example, parents should teach their children the love and fear of God. Teach them to be intelligent, social, and affectionate. To cultivate habits of industry, economy, and self-denial. By giving their children love, sympathy, and encouragement at home, parents may provide for them a safe and welcome retreat from many of the world's temptations. The early years. Ellen White has a lot to say about the early years, so I've tried to condense it. The whole of a child's future life will be shaped by the habits and practices of their childhood. Parents receive a helpless child in their arms. He knows nothing. He is to be, number one, 
taught to love God. Number two, to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Number three, to be fashioned after the divine model. When parents see the importance of their work in training their children, when they see that it involves eternal interest, they will feel that they must devote their best time and thought to this work. The lessons learned and the habits formed during the years of infancy and childhood have more to do with the formation of the character than the direction of the life and the direction of the life than have all the instruction and training of the after years. That's pretty uh, heavy thought to consider. Parents need to consider this. Also, I wanted to share, and you have probably come across this, that uh, recent research shows that the human brain, the neurons, the pathways develop within the first three years of of life and grow more than any other time in the human body's growing experience. So that's pretty amazing. That just shows you how important those first three years are, the young years, infancy. Dr. Dobson, in his book, Bringing Up Girls, cites psychotherapist and clinical social worker Lauren Porter, who says, the foundation built in the early years is the groundwork for for the adolescent phase of life. Mothers and fathers should feel it their duty by their own teaching and example with the assisting grace of God to so mold the characters of their children from their earliest years that they will be pure and noble and will be attracted to the good and true. Like attracts like. Like appreciates like. Let the love for truth, purity, and goodness be early implanted in the soul, and the youth will seek the association of those who possess these characteristics. Do you pray for loving Christian friends for your children? I do. No work ever undertaken by man requires greater care and skill than the proper training and education of youth and children. There are no influences so potent as those which surround us in our early years. To perform this work, parents and teachers must themselves understand the way the child should go. This embraces more than just a knowledge from books and schools. It embodies the practice of temperance, brotherly kindness, and godliness. This is our duty to ourselves, to our children, to our neighbors, and to God. Your children will carry forth from the home circle the precious influence of the home education. Then work in the home circle in the first years of the children's lives, and they will carry your influence into the schoolroom. That influence will be felt by many others. Thus, the Lord will be glorified. Amen. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Proverbs 4, verse 7. I think my dad's favorite verse is about wisdom, James 1, 5. Parents should pray earnestly to God for wisdom and divine aid to properly train their children, that they may develop characters that God will approve. Pray how to educate children to form beautiful characters. Much prayer and study is needed for heavenly wisdom to know how to deal with young minds. These are my daughters. This is Saipan, where we used to live. Well, three out of the four of my daughters. 
Teach your children the commandments of God. Make them simple so they can be understood. The lessons and instruction given in childhood will be a blessing to children throughout their lifetime. The work of the mother must commence at an early age. So a little bit about character. Ellen White also speaks and writes a lot on character. Character building is the most important work ever entrusted to human beings. Do I need to read that again? That's amazing, right? Character building is the most important work ever entrusted to human beings. A character formed according to divine likeness is the only treasure that we can take from this world to the next. The formation of character is the work of a lifetime, and it is for eternity. If Christian mothers will present to society children with integrity of character, with firm principles and sound morals, they will have performed the most important work of all missionary laborers. No higher work has ever been committed to mortals than the shaping of character. A good character is more precious than worldly possessions, and the work of forming it is the noblest in which men can engage. That's a lot of good information right on that slide there. My kindergartner drew this self-portrait a few weeks ago, and it says, God made me. She also wrote one that says, God made crystals, and my name is Crystal. I'm not sure I didn't ask her why she chose that. She had God made pumpkins. God, you might see that one later. But she also said, God made crystals. I thought that was interesting. So this quote is actually from the second president of the United States, John Adams. And he says that the foundations of national morality must be laid in private families in vain are schools, academies, and universities instituted if loose principles are impressed upon children in their earliest years. The mothers are the earliest and most important instructors of youth. How insightful is it that Adams placed the responsibility of the essential moral character of the nation squarely on the shoulders of mothers? Fathers play a key role, too, of course, but moms are absolutely indispensable. Their primary task is to transmit enduring principles of right and wrong to the next generation. The old proverb, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, is still true. If women grow weary of this responsibility or if they lose sight of their own moral compass, no other institution or governmental agency will be able to save the nation. So wrote President John Adams. All right, we're on to objective number two. Oh, let me go back. There we go. Accepting the years of education you have and acknowledging God's additional plan for your life in raising your children to be shining stars for him. We're going to have a baby. Now what? Are you working? Am I, I'm working. You're, we're half, you'll say I'll freeze breast milk. Okay, so how is it going to work? <laughs> so you and your husband... Worked hard for your degrees, your professionals. Everything is pretty repetitious in your life. It's pretty standard, and you know the routine. You can read how to do a procedure, and you can go to your patient and do the procedure. You can read how to do another procedure. You can go to the patient, do the procedure. It's okay. It's kind of cut and dry, right? Can you read a book and then have your baby, and, oh, this is how you do your baby? Not so much. Books help, and any preparation ahead of time that you do, <laughs> the more the better. But it's kind of learning as you're going. 
Um, oh, yeah, also paying off loans, right? So is mom supposed to stay at home? A study was done that showed a commonality among middle-class working mothers who chose to stay home. It showed that mothers' jobs no longer worked for the family once their first child was born. The job wasn't sufficiently flexible, perhaps, for a new parent. Maybe it didn't pay enough to cover the cost of child care, or it wasn't worth the time that it would take away from their families. So they left their job to stay at home. The importance of mothers. We're going to kind of talk this objective about the importance of mothers and how to um, kind of reconcile in your own mind your years of education, your hundreds of thousands of dollars spent that are now getting accruing interest from your loan lender. So, and how to reconcile that with you and your family. Mothers must be the mind for their children during the first three years of life. This is the time in which to bend the tiny twig. Mothers should understand the importance attaching to this. It is then that the life foundation is laid. Many parents neglect their duty during the first years of their children's lives. They think, oh, well, when my child gets older, I'll be careful to repress the wrong and draw out the right. But the very time for mothers to do this work is when the children are babies in their arms. Mothers, you should set your will that the enemy shall not raise his banner of darkness in your home. To put it succinctly, mom, you are indispensable. The start your baby gets in life is in your hands and in your voice and in your heart. What a wonderful privilege and responsibility it is to welcome a baby with open arms. This little bundle arrives straight from the hands of the Creator as his precious gift. The seeds sown in infancy by the careful, God-fearing mother will become trees of righteousness which will blossom and bear fruit. And the lessons given by a God-fearing father by precept and example will, as in the case of Joseph, yield an abundant harvest by and by. The mother must, must ever stand preeminent in the work of training children. While grave and important duties rest upon the father, the mother, by almost constant association with her children, especially during the early years, must always be their special instructor and companion. So here's some statistics that I did some research on. In 2013, the Pew Research Center data showed that women, more than men, adjust their work schedule to stay at home to care for family members. 79% of Americans rejected the notion that women should return to their traditional roles in society, which is staying at home. Yet, when asked what the best thing is for young children, very few adults, only 16%, said that having a full-time working mother is best. So it's kind of funny how you word the question, what answer you receive, right? According to U.S. government data, 64% of mothers that have children under the age of 6 are in the workforce. And among those, 74% work full-time. The Pew Research Center also reported that 10% of highly educated mothers, those who earn a master's degree or higher, stay at home. So here is a little chart graph. It shows us um, 
the percentage of stay-at-home mothers and fathers. So this tracks from 1989 going all the way to 2016. So you can see fathers is up a little bit. Maybe that's the uh, new generation of fathers willing to stay home and parent the children. Uh, mothers stayed pretty much the same. It went down a little bit in 2000, came up 2010, and it's back to 27%. So I found this very interesting that even though there's all this kind of debate, what's best, I'm a working mom, I'm going to stay at work, that it's kind of, the trend has kind of stayed the same. Whether you are a full-time workforce mother or a full-time stay-at-home mom, it is a source of powerful internal conflict either way. The system seems rigged against both li- both lifestyles, where some mothers are at home feeling disrespected for not having a career, and those in the workplace are feeling guilty for not being with their children full-time. It comes down to this. Kids thrive in an environment of order, vigilance, and close supervision, which is very difficult to provide by those who come home every night exhausted. The question that every family raising small children must answer is one of priorities. Where is the best place for a mom to invest her time? All things being equal, Dr. Dobson recommends that mothers who do have an option consider the welfare of their children first, especially when they are young. Parents need to understand how they may set forth from their home their sons and daughters so trained and educated that they would be fitted to shine as lights in the world. The work of parents, which means so much, is greatly neglected. Awake parents from your spiritual slumber and understand the very first teaching your child receives is to be given to him by you. You are to teach your little ones to know Christ. This work you must do before Satan sows his seeds in their hearts. Christ calls the children, and they are to be led to him. This was an interesting article that I read. A group of highly ambitious women who attended Northwestern University, a non-religious institution, were interviewed 20 years after graduation in 2016 to see where they are today. After a year-long process of interviews, the women were separated into three groups, high achievers, scale-backers, and opt-outers. The author chose to focus on the opt-outers, and what was found in these interviews was very interesting. It revealed that although these women opted out of promising job promotions, a high level of workplace achievement, the road they chose to stay at home was not marked with any less ambition. These women were still highly active in society as philanthropists, volunteers, etc., and were then able with their time to give themselves to their children and their family. Um, I wanted to add something else is that the author also heard kind of a mixture of pride and sadness in the voices of almost all of the stay-at-home moms. They loved being involved in the details of their children's day-to-day lives, and they felt pride in making a home that functioned well. But at the same time, they seemed ambivalent about leaving the workforce. A former financial planner um, said that while she was fully present for her children, she felt that she might be doing them a disservice by not working. So I think that 
from this non-Christian perspective, um, us as Seventh-day Adventists, we have a special message, and we don't have to feel that way. We don't have to feel ambivalent about leaving the workforce. We can, you know, grasp onto our our duty and our new position in life as a parent and as a mother. Oh, I liked this quote. I'm going to read it to you. The most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your home. I think that's such a sweet picture. In 2013, I also found this quote very interesting. The New York Magazine interviewed two of America's most powerful women in government, Madeleine Albright and Sandra Day O'Connor. They were asked the question of our time. Can women have it all? Albright's answer wasn't entirely encouraging, but full of wisdom. So let's, let's listen. I do think women can have it all, she said, but not all at the same time. Our life comes in segments, and we have to understand that we can have it all if we're not trying to do it all at once. Great responsibility rests upon parents, and they should strive earnestly to fulfill their God-appointed mission. When they see the need of bending all the energies of the being to the work of training their children for God, a great deal of frivolity and unnecessary pretense that is now seen will be put away. They will toil they will consider no sacrifice or toil too great that will, will enable them to prepare their children to meet the Lord with joy. This is the most precious part of their service as followers of God, and one that they cannot afford to neglect. Parents, do your work with contentment, never complaining of the hardship, care, or toil. If by patient, kindly Christian efforts— you may present one soul perfect in Christ Jesus, your life will not have been in vain. Keep your own soul hopeful and patient. Let no discouragement be traced in your features or attitude. You have in your hands the making of a character, through the help of God, that may work in the Master's vineyard to win many souls for Jesus. Ever encourage your children to reach a high standard in all their habits and tendencies, be patient with their imperfections as God is patient with you in your imperfections, bearing with you, watching over you, that you may bring forth fruit into his glory. Encourage your children to strive to add to their attainments the virtues they lack. So there are two Bible characters that I want to look at their early life, which um, their parents had a big role in. The early life of Samuel. Opportunities of inestimable worth, interests infinitely precious, are committed to every mother. During the first, there's the magic number, three years of the life of Samuel the prophet, his mother carefully taught him to distinguish between good and evil. By every familiar object around him, she would lead his thoughts up to the Creator. A fulfillment of her vow to give her son to the Lord with great self-denial, she placed him under the care of Eli, the high priest, to be trained for service in the house of God. His early training led him to choose to maintain his Christian integrity. His early training. What a reward was Hannah's. What an encouragement to faithfulness is her example.
We'll look at the early life of Joseph. The lessons given to Joseph in his youth by Jacob through expressing his firm trust in God and showing the precious evidences of God's loving kindness and unceasing care were the very lessons Joseph needed in his exile among an idolatrous people. Did Joseph know, like Samuel, that he was going somewhere else? No, he didn't. Did, did his father and mother know? They didn't. No. Did his brothers know? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think they did either. But um, in the time of testing, Joseph put these lessons to a pract- practical use. He had them in his head. He remembered them. He remembered what his mother and father had instilled in him. When under severest trial, he looks to his heavenly father, who he had learned to trust. Mothers should cultivate their intellects for the sake of their children. They bear a greater responsibility in their work than does the king upon his throne. There's that quote again. Few mothers feel the weight of trust that is given to them or realize what they may attain through their special work by patient and thorough effort with their children. So all of these quotes have spoke to me. That's why I have them here to share. No one else should be left to see to the work of character development of the children but you, parents. You need to cooperate with the Lord in educating them in sound principles. How sad it is that many people have cast off their God-given responsibility to their children and are willing that strangers should bear it for them. They are willing that others should labor for their children and relieve them of all burden in the matter. Day after day, month after month, year after year, the work is to go on until the character of your child is formed and the habits established in the right way. You should not give up and leave your families to drift along in a loose, ungoverned manner. If not you, then who? That's the question, right? It's our calling as parents to mold and guide our children with God's help to be workers for the kingdom of God. I listened to a Focus on the Family podcast earlier this week, and they were interviewing a youth pastor and his wife, and he shared a story how God woke him up 10 years into his marriage with children. So he was going climbing with other people's children. He was doing church lock-ins with other people's children. He was studying the Bible with other people's children, but he wasn't doing that with his own. And so with God's guidance, he was able to change that. Do we as medical professionals do this? It's a hard question to ask yourself. I know we often put our best time and energy into the day, into helping people, our patients, and we're tired and worn out by the time we reach home. Do we have any patience left for our small children? It's difficult. And you have to make a living, right? So how can we change this? How can we put our best efforts into our children and family? It's something to think about. And each family needs to come up with a lifestyle that will work best for them in their situation, remembering that the care for children is for time and eternity. I thought this was a great quote. Um, It was from a devotional book written by Ruth Cho Simmons. And she painted this. It says, cease endlessly striving for what you want to do and learn to love what must be done. 
to the pile of dishes or the load of laundry. We need to do it. We need to learn to love it. And But you know what? Also, it'll be there tomorrow. So if you need to take some time with your kids, just take the time. The laundry is not going anywhere. Your household is a school of love. Your mission field is sitting right in front of you at your kitchen table. And I took a few pictures of my children's schoolwork before I left California. And I didn't even read my daughter's Bible verse. I just took a picture of it. And then when I was going through pictures to fit them in, I read it. And I talked to her this morning. I said, Ava, your verse was perfect for my lecture. And I read it to her. Your care for others is the measure of your greatness. And she's like, oh, that's great, Mom. I'm glad you could use it in your lecture. I said, well, it was the perfect verse. Nature versus nurture. I always found this very intriguing. Every human's nature is sinful. It's the nurture that matters most. Bad habits are more easily formed than good. Things that children see and hear in infancy and childhood are deeply imprinted upon the mind. In childhood and youth, the character is most impressible. The power of self-control should be acquired. By the fireside and in the family home, influences are exerted whose results are as enduring as eternity. More than any natural endowment, the habits established in the early years decide whether a man will be victorious or vanquished in the battle of life. One reason why there is so much evil in the world today is that parents occupy their minds with other things than that which is all important. How to adapt themselves to the work of patiently and kindly teaching their children the way of the Lord. If the curtain could be drawn aside, we would see that many children who have gone astray have been lost to good influences through this neglect. Parents, can you afford to have it so in your experience? I'm sure we all would answer no. You should have no work so important that it will prevent you from giving your children all the time that is necessary to make them understand what it means to obey and trust the Lord fully. And what will you reap for your effort? You will find your child right by your side. So sometimes when my kids turn three, my baby just turned three, I think, oh my, the first three years are gone. And then I get all teary-eyed, and then I pray, okay, Lord, I trust in you. We have to turn it over to the Lord and trust that he will fill in where we lack. A message to mothers. My sister, God has entrusted you with a respon- has God entrusted you with the responsibilities of a mother? You need to learn right methods to acquire tact for the training of your little ones that they may keep the way of the Lord. You need to seek constantly the highest culture of mind and soul that you may bring to the education and training of your children a restful spirit and a loving heart. Cultivate in your children love for things honest, pure, and holy. Seek constantly to improve your powers that you may do the most perfect, thorough work at home, both by precept and example. So there are a few quotes that I like. Who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Have any of you heard that before? I thought that was very interesting. My friend shared that with me, and I said, oh, I need to put that in my lecture. Values are more easily caught than taught. True? 
Yes, that's very true. Yes, your kids um, see what you're doing more than they hear what you're saying. All right, concluding objective number two. Mom and dad, it is your job to bring out the best in your children's nature. They need your affirmation and encouragement. Good parenting almost always requires what? Sacrifice. Childhood lasts, but only for a brief moment. But it should be given priority while it is passing before your eyes. Watch your kids carefully. Think about what they are feeling and consider the influence they are under. Then, Dr. Dobson says, do what is best for them. Some more words of encouragement from Dr. Dobson that I felt, felt were wise beyond my years. Let me acknowledge that a successful family life is difficult to achieve. It is never perfect, and it is often problematic. I'm sure you, you, have, you have your own set of challenges as you seek to meet the needs of your children. If there is any way you can give priority, priority to your children, even if it requires serious sacrifice, you will not reg- regret giving it to them. This might mean staying married when your impulse is to divorce. It could cause you to make choices that will handicap you professionally. It might mean financial hardship for the family because mom is staying at home with her children. It might mean giving up your four-hour-a-week golf game. What I am saying is that from where I sit today, children are worth everything they cost us. I thought that was very wise beyond my years from where he sits today. I could see him sitting in his office writing this. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Objective number three, combining one's professional passion and family life, all the while remembering that the care of children is for time and eternity. Parents, the Lord will be your helper. He will work with your efforts. In his strength, he will gain the victory. When parents manifest an interest for their children as God would have them, he will hear their prayers and work with their efforts. Mothers, through God's strength, you can lead your children to be overcomers. Teach them to look to God for strength. Tell them that he hears their prayers. I do that with my my girls. God hears you when you pray. Keep praying. Teach them to overcome evil with good. Teach them to exert an influence that is everlasting. Then they will have strength to resist the strongest temptation. They will then receive the reward of the overcomer. A few things that you can do to bring your family together. We'll talk about in the third objective and to kind of also include your profession along with including your children. So be present daily. Four things. Kneel in prayer. First thing in the morning, eat dinner together. And you might come up with your own list for you and your family. Your mission field is right there in front of you at the kitchen table. Put your phone down in the evenings. Have family worship. Things that you can do to be present weekly. Call your mom or dad or parent figure to glean wisdom. Have lunch or dinner out with your spouse and no kids. Take the Sabbath rest with your family to spend time with God in praise, prayer, study, quiet time, thankfulness, and nature. You could do family outreach, and I just named a few things. Bake cookies, take it to neighbors, go sing at a nursing home. 
um, make cards for friends or strangers and pass them out. So be present in church, participate, lead music, lead Sabbath school, read scripture, have your children read scripture, help with vespers, join pathfinders or adventurers, share food and eat at potluck. I know a lot of times people don't stay for potluck and it might not be the best food, but you know what? It's one meal and you'll survive. The fellowship is what's more important. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Psalms 127.3 The characters formed in this life will determine the future destiny. When Christ shall come, he will not change the character of any individual. Parents should neglect no duty on their part to benefit their children. They should so train them that they may be a blessing to society here and may reap the reward of eternal life. So you could do family outreach. Volunteer at a local outreach using your vocation. So I know at our church in Visaya, California, we'll do a medical outreach twice a year. And you could have your children help with that. You know, help, re- help the patients as they register. Come hold the suction for mom, you know, while you're doing a filling or while you're doing a procedure. Um, participate in medical mission trips using your professional skill and have your children join you on those mission trips where they can be of service. So this is a Saipan clinic, and my oldest girl was helping my second daughter get her teeth cleaned. (laughs) She had fun. Parents, let the sunshine of love, cheerfulness, and happy contentment enter your own heart and let its sweet influence pervade your home. Show children kindness, and they will manifest the same spirit toward you and toward one another. As a family, pray for each other. Smile, parents, smile. Let the sunshine from a loving and grateful heart light up your countenance. Let your daily prayer be, Lord, teach me to do my best. Teach me how to do better work. Give me energy. Give me energy. Give me energy and cheerfulness. Bring Christ into all that you do. Then your lives will be filled with brightness and thanksgiving. Let us do our best moving forward cheerfully in the service of the Lord with our hearts filled with his joy. The grace of Christ enables its possessors to make the home a happy place, full of peace and rest. God desires you to consecrate yourself fully to him and represent his character in the home circle. The work of sanctification begins in the home. Those who are Christians in the home will be Christians in the church and in the world. Children must see the lives of their, of their parents' consistency. By leading a consistent life and exercising self-control, parents may mold the characters of their children. One of my favorite verses, Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. Isaiah eight eighteen. Parents, when you have faithfully done your duty to the extent of your ability, you may then, in faith, ask the Lord to do for your children that which you cannot do. Tell God that you have done your part, and then, in faith, ask God to do his part. God will hear your prayer. He would love to answer your prayers. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. 3 John 1, 4. So the icing on the cake 
is the endless rewards of being a present parent. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.